You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In this week's episode, Father Paul explains Hebron's significance in Genesis chapter 23 as the place of fraternity when human beings return to the Adamah. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Okay, very early in Genesis 13, 18, Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Very important because this is the last verse of chapter 13 where we hear that Abraham went down to Egypt and was saved by God. And Sarah was almost lost there when he lied to Pharaoh. Okay? So it is, if you like, let me put it this way. The oaks of Mamre are mentioned, Mamre is mentioned the first time in conjunction with Abraham having come out or having been brought out of Egypt to settle in Canaan without leaving it anymore. It is connected with Hebron and the author already refers to the Oaks of Mamre as being Hebron. And in that same verse, Genesis 13, 18, we have the first mention of Hebron. 23 in our text, verse 2, being the second in line. So in both cases, Hebron is linked to Mamre and here we have the addition of this famous East which we encountered very early with the Garden of Eden and then Cain and then the people who wanted to build a tower in the East and so on and so forth. The field with the cave which was in it, let's hear 17, so the field of Ephron in Machpelah, which was to the east of Mamre, which is Hebron, the field with the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, it's like the garden. Okay, just a specific spot throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession, we have here another root, Qana Miqneh, it's like Cain, which parallels Ahuzza. But watch out, if you read only this verse as a possession, it is as though it's yours. But if you link it with the entire story, where the two times where the parallel of Miqneh, Ahuzzat, is mentioned, appears in one phrase with Qibr, you will realize 
that it is the place where he is bound to be buried. In the presence of the Hittites, before all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre. It is now only that the name of Ephron disappears. But until now, you realize that he is taking a part of the property of a Hittite. That is Hebron in the land of Canaan. Okay, so Hebron is interesting because it's the place of fraternity whenever we all go back to the Adama. <laughs> and not so much while you are living. It's a very impressive text. And it becomes even more important when you hear Jacob, who asked his son Joseph that should he die in Egypt, that he would to be taken up to be buried in the land. And the bones of Joseph are carried together with the Ark of Covenant so that he could be buried. And this is mentioned at the end of the book of Joshua. It's very impressive. Notice that they become one in the Adama, in death, when you're buried. Now let's go back to my example in the Middle East, when you hear that someone, whoever it is, it's not a big deal that someone dies. The big deal is how you react to it. Subhanul Hayyul Baqi. May he be praised, the one who lives forever. And that is why I like in our services, which many other people assume philosophically, what's the big deal? For me, it rings a different bell. The Lord of the living and the dead. Very interesting. Right? You're paying at the funeral, and actually, in this case, you are adding the living. <laughs> because the service is about the dead. But you're saying to everybody, trust me, it doesn't make any difference. Okay? You can drop dead while you are leaving. Okay? Remember the wife of Lot and so on. Very impressive. And here, really, you have to be Middle Eastern that grew up in the 50s in the Middle East as the author of this podcast, Father Paul Tarazi was. Otherwise, you'll never be able to comprehend it. And you hearers, in order to get it, you have to be baptized in the scriptural lingo. You can't comprehend, you can't encompass. Notice the Greek verb, katalambano. To understand something, in other words, you have to embrace it. And unless you embrace chapter 23 and you pass the final with me and I will let you pass at the end of the semester in what you tell me about 23, which most probably I shall not do, then 
I can say that you got the message. Otherwise, it's vain talk. You are just talking. Okay, I remember when I was... Uh, this story my hearers should know because only my students know it. That the great, the great Father Paul, who was just Nadim, although he was still great as Nadim, when he was a teenager and he would speak a little bit more than necessary, his very soft mother, may she rest in peace, who was trained by the friends, would tell him, stop philosophizing. Majestic. <laughs> you see where I learn my anti-Platonic attitude is from my mother who was raised by the friends in Ramallah. The friends don't want to fight anyone. But with a soft voice they stop philosophizing. <laughs> so the field and the cave notice how the text repeatedly stresses that this field is in conjunction with the cave or vice versa but ultimately it is the place of burial that is in it were made over to abraham as a possession for a burying place which is again a huzat qibr by the Hittites. Let's hear this text, if you don't mind. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham for once more. So the last phrase you hear in the chapter is Ahuzat Kheber, a possession of tomb, a tomb possession, a tombly possession. And it was granted to Abraham by the Hittites, Wayakum, and stood, very important word, calm. Hmm? It's full of assuredness. This is how it stands until today. Hassadeh, the field, Wahamara, cave, Arabic, Magharat, it's the same word, Asherbo, which is in it, Le Abraham, La Ahuzat Qaber, notice, Wayakum, it stands, it is sealed, by whom? By the Bene Het, Me'et, from the side by the Benehat. Meaning that my earlier reading that it would not have been so except by the decision of this time all the Hittites because they had to second Ephron. They could have told him we would not accept. But that was his will, they accepted by the Hittites. This is how it stands. And now, hearing this chapter again, was I aware of all that, I would rephrase my commentary on Joshua. 
adding that one of the reasons why the land of Canaan in which Joshua entered was presented as the land of the Hittites. It makes sense, but again, I have to thank both of you for allowing me to continue my work, and hopefully my hearers will notice that really, now and then at least, I'm adding new info and new food for thought for us to realize what is going on. Why Yaqum? And it stood, you know, it's a powerful word. Qam, Qum. It stands like this. What? That the land, the field and the cave, which is in it, unto Abraham. In other words, it became for Abraham a tombly possession given to him. You don't have the word given, but the English had to add it because in Hebrew you have from the part of the sons of Het. I mean, in Hebrew it's very clear. It cannot have any other meaning. That the deal was not sealed by Abraham. The deal was sealed by the sons of Het, the Hittites. <coughs> they function the way God functioned in the previous chapter. Okay, it is through the mediacy of the Hittites that God gave the gift of Hebron to Abraham. And Joshua will get back at you by telling you, remember that story? That's why it is not Joshua that ended with Hebron, but Caleb that ended with the legacy of Hebron. And once more, I was stunned when I realized that the story is mentioned twice. It is mentioned of Caleb by himself, and then a few verses later, when you have the allotment of all the places in Judah, among whom is Hebron, you have a repetition that it was given the legacy to Caleb. So, I don't know, you don't want to consider it the central chapter. I do at least, and I'm a naturalized American citizen, so I'm entitled to my opinion, and I stand with that. Chapter 23. So, I got there. Now I'm going to change my policy for those who still come to me to confession at the beginning of Lent. Usually I assign Ezekiel 23. Now I'm going to add Ezekiel 23 and Genesis 23. Very easy to remember. You keep reading these chapters. Anyway. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.